What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to episode 21 of More Wrestling's podcast. I'm your host, Dylan Morrison. I'm joined today by my co-host, Zach Rolf. How's it going today, Zach? Not too bad. Been a good day. Had a good, really good day yesterday. Yeah? Yeah, we had a, we had a good match. We had a match last night. Um, I mean, we only wrestled like eight matches. The other team only had uh, three kids. Well, they had five, but two of them were heavyweights, and I don't have any heavyweights, so I couldn't match them up. So their, their three guys got two matches each, and then I wrestled a couple inner squad matches to get my guys matches but um that was a fun match got a new job yesterday so it's exciting awesome yeah good, good to hear yeah um it's been a, been a good day yeah that's all it sounds like it i mean the sun's shining up here in northern new york so i mean i guess it's good it's only like five degrees outside but it's yeah it's, we got a good sunshine too it's just cold <laughs> yeah it was nice the last few days you know 40 degrees it's t-shirt and short weather but and I haven't had a 40 degree day yet. Yeah. Up there. yeah. But yeah, it's five degrees now. But we are a month away from the, <laughs> <I stayed> here. <laughs> we are a month away from the New York State tournament. Yes, we are. Second, third, yeah. A month from today. Uh just to give a little update on that tournament. Uh Frank Papalizio had a thing on Journeyman. Um basically saying, like, you know, what the I guess he kind of said he was limited it to the uh family and whatever for the, the fans. Um, but he's like, don't expect it to be a regular, you know, tournament where there's bleachers, you know, and like, like, let's say Albany, that's a New York state tournament. Um, they've got, you know, nice chairs to sit in and he, there's probably not going to be a lot of seating at this tournament. No, if you're coaching here, bring your own chairs. Yeah. Bring your bring, bag. Bring your long chair. There's like a catwalk. So like there's, he said there's going to be at 14 mats lined up because this facility is huge. There's 14 mats going to be lined up and there's a catwalk over top. You're basically looking down on the mats. So uh, it's actually not going to be a bad viewing space. Right. There's not going to be a lot of seating space. So like you're going to have to be moving around to the mats and stuff. And if you're, if you're wrestling or coaching, like I said, bring it, bring a long chair because they have uh, there's gonna be a big space for the athletes and coaches to be walking around in, but there's not a lot of uh, there's obviously gonna be no seating in that area, so it's either set on the floor or bring a lawn chair. And one thing is, there's uh, you know, 14 mats if there's if they're right next to each other all the way down, and people have bag chairs, let's say the bag chairs are allowed for fans. I don't see it like you're gonna have to stagger the mats just a little bit because you're trying to cram all those people in there. If if there's going to be weights on one mat and those weight classes aren't going to be moved, people are just going to be camping out up front. And it's going to be kind of hard for other people to see, I think. So, like, maybe having the mat staggered would probably be uh, more effective, but I don't know. I don't know. I mean, they might do that, but they, yeah. did, they didn't for the Fall Classic. But I don't think they had 14 for the Fall Classic. I feel like they had, uh, I don't know, maybe 10. Hmm. Yeah, well, I'm sure it's going to work out well, but I think he just kind of wanted to get the message across where it's not going to be that Albany, you know, sitting in a nice chair watching wrestling from up above feeling. I mean, you're still going to be up above, but the seating's not going to be there. Right. Um, but, yeah, so this weekend, Kenny Courts, uh, he's going to have two teams going down to Virginia Beach, so that's kind of exciting. I'm sure that it's nicer down there than it is in New York, so. A little jealous and I'm not down there. I'm also jealous I'm not there, but more so that I can't take a club down there because I'm currently coaching right now. Yeah, that's true. Well, we start we start club practices next week, so I can't wait for that. I'm I'm going five days a week. Five days, five days a week in the club, get these kids ready for states. Yeah, that's awesome. You, you guys finish up your uh, season this weekend or? Yeah, we're done Friday, actually. Our last match is on Friday, so we're going to move right into right into club. Who do you guys wrestle? So we actually wrestle Tioga tomorrow, and then we wrestle Newark Valley on Friday. Awesome, that's cool. We should get a, ma- a good good match or two uh, against Tioga. Um, I know my kid, one of two of my kids that are going to states are going to match up with a couple of their kids going to states, so that'll be that'll be good. Um, Spencer Van Etten will also be there. I think they have one kid going to states that'll match up with a couple of theirs. So there'll be a few a few good matchups at the, at the match on Wednesday. Yeah, good prep. I mean, obviously the season really means nothing in a way, um, but just a good prep to have leading up to next month at the state tournament. Right. 
Let's uh, talk a little bit about the EIWA conference tournament that happened on Friday. So, uh, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Well, the first thing I was going to say is it's so hard to watch wrestling as a fan when you have people you're emotionally invested into wrestling in an event, right? Like when I'm watching Micah or I'm watching Drew wrestle, like it's so hard to like move on to the next match if say one of them loses because my emotions are like, like, you know, I mean, you know how it feels when one of your guys lose, right? Like it's, you're, you're down in the dumps. Like it's, it's, it kind of sucks and it's hard to really get up for any other matches coming up. So I, I did not have a great fan experience watching EIWAs this weekend outside of uh, two matches. <laughs> yeah. I mean, every time, you know, if, if they would lose, um, I was like, oh man, maybe I shouldn't text Zach about this next result. Uh, you know, obviously I was, I was pretty bummed when, uh, cause I watched, I think all of, Drew's matches live and all of Micah's matches live. So I was right there with you. Same with Jake Nolan. I mean, he didn't have the tournament he wanted, but it, it just, it was like, you're kind of bummed when you watch them yeah. lose. But yeah, so since we mentioned Micah Rose at 125, our guy Micah Rose, he had a nice match. I believe he was the fifth seed and he wrestled Dylan Ryder uh, in the quarters as the fourth seed and he majored Ryder. Big. Yeah, he looked good. He looked really good to start off the start off the tournament. He came out with a six point move, and then um, he kept going. And then he actually he actually gave up a couple of backs in the second period on, on a nice little bar tilt. Um, he was able to kind of scramble back. Ended up coming out the back door. Uh, I think Ryder kind of threw a leg in to kind of not give up any points, and then Micah kind of came out the back door, put him on his back for another six point move, and then it was game over at that point. Yeah, so Micah beat Ryder to advance to the semis. He lost to Lane of Lehigh. And uh, then in the Russellbacks, he had a nice win over Seedman to advance to the Constellation Finals, where he wrestled the Gage Curry of American. And, uh, you know, he had to win that match to, to earn his, you know, automatic qualifying bid to the NCAA tournament. And he lost to Curry 6-2. to two. So he's kind yeah, of looking what- for a wild card. Yeah, when, when I was watching that match, what it kind of looked like was Curry, Curry. I mean, he's a three-time national qualifier. He has the experience. Mike is a true freshman, doesn't really have that experience in those big matches yet. And it just looked like Curry was comfortable and kind of was letting Micah make the mistakes and just kind of capitalizing. Curry didn't take a lot of risks in that match. It was all Mike kind of taking shots and Curry down blocking and finding easy scores here and there. Like, it was – it, it was hard to watch, but you know, kudos to Curry for for keeping that, keeping his composure, and just staying in good position the whole match. Yeah, it was definitely a, a veteran win for uh, Curry because I kind of noticed the same thing. So um, at one twenty-five, Jarrett Lane of Lehigh, Logan Treister of Navy, and Gage Curry of American earned the automatic qualifying bids for the EIWA. Mike is in a good spot, though. You know, he he took fourth, which I mean, that was not great. Obviously, like he wanted an AQ, but. Um, he, he's right one spot outside of AQs and he has a win over an automatic qualifier in Jonathan Tropea from Ryder yeah. um, with a, with a good record coming out of, uh, EIWAs. I think he's six and two, which is a decent win percentage. So, and, and he's in the coaches ranking for the last, um, the last set. So he, he's in a good spot to get a wild card at this point. So we'll, I get, we'll find out Tuesday after big tens, but, um, hopefully, hopefully he's in. Yep. <clears throat> Up at 133. Sabaker of Binghamton as a three seed. And, you know, we talked about it. He was getting another match against Montgomery of army, which he had beaten in the duel. Um, I think he tossed him on his back. That's one of the clips that Binghamton had kind of going, uh, you know, they always post, but uh, it was a nice, that, that was a good match in the duel. And, you know, M- Montgomery got the win this time over Sabaker. Uh, Allen of Navy had a big win over two seed Miller of Bucknell. I believe Miller was nationally ranked during the year and, He's another guy. He lost to Montgomery during their duel, and which might have dropped him down in the rankings a little bit. But, um, but that, Hines of Lehigh, he was the guy who bumped up to wrestle Trampe in the duel. Remember that? Yeah, he looked good. Yeah, you know, um, and it, well, I'll kind of mention this again later. But that was one of the matches you walked away from Trampe saying, "I mean, he just didn't wrestle well." Yeah. And and you know, you watch the IWA this week, and you're like, "Well, maybe he did." And Hines is just that good. Yeah, Hines is definitely good. I mean, he, he wrestled 41 last year, I believe. He wrestled 33 all year this year, um, besides the match where he bumped up in the Binghamton duel to wrestle Zach. Um, but, yeah, he, he's definitely good. Uh, 
you can definitely tell Darian Cruz has a nice, you know, effect on the Lehigh's lightweights. You know, Jarrett Lane looks tough and Hines looks tough. You could tell with in, the, in their motion too. I mean, Lane Lane's a little different. His his body type's a little different. But when you watch Hines' motion, you see a lot of Darian Cruz, uh, um, a lot of Darian Cruz in, in his motion when he's wrestling. Yeah. So um, Hines of Lehigh, Allen of Navy, and Miller of Bucknell are in the AQs for EIWAs at 133. Up at 141, the top five stayed true, um, sort of to their seeds, anyways. Drew lost the opening match to Bespa. Uh, he picked up another win over Phipps, which he had during the year. And then he lost to McGonagall. And then uh, again to Bespa for fifth and sixth. Uh, so the top five qualified for the Nationals at this weight. So obviously Drew had to win that fifth and sixth place match against Vespa. Uh, and he lost that match. Yeah, that was – and there's not much to say from my part. You know, I, I really – he wrestled amazing against Phipps. Yeah, I was actually really nervous for that match because in their first match, um, Drew Drew threw him on his back in the first period for a six-point move, and Phipps started kind of chipping away, and Drew ended up pulling it out 9-7. Um, so, I mean, I was nervous because Phipps started to look really good at the end of their first one, and then this match, Drew came out, and he was he was dominant overall. He was he was dominant. He, he took him down early in the first and had a nice, long ride throughout the first period, and then uh, Phipps, Phipps got a takedown. And then Drew kind of iced it with the final takedown in the third period and put it away. That was a, that was a fun match to watch. Unfortunately, yes, he did fall to McGonagall and Vespa. Um, but overall, this weight class, it, w- it was close from from three behind. But yeah. the top two guys were the top two guys, and that's how it was going to finish regardless. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, I thought the same thing. You know, the top from three to six, maybe. Uh, you know, if Drew has a pretty good day, he's he's up there with them. I mean, he did have a good day. He, had, he beat Phipps. He looked pretty good in that match. Um, but yeah, so or the top five in this weight qualified. So again, Trebus of Navy, Peters of Army, McGonagall of Lehigh, Flores of Drexel, and Vespa of Hofstra are headed to the national tournament. Yeah, and the one note from the bracket, obviously, we, we talked about before is Trampy was out. Um, I heard it was a great issue, but, Ooh. you know, you never know. Yeah, that sucks. Up at 149, the Cedars had this weight down. The eight wrestlers that were seated uh, finished exactly where they were seated. Um, so, Ugin Sanya, he, he was a guy that impressed me. So, last season, he was one and two against Jimmy Hoffman, the guy he beat in the finals. And, you know, this year, he... He's, I think he was 2-0 and um, on the year. He beat him in the duel, and then he beat him in the finals of the IWA tournament. I believe he beat him 8-3 to in the finals. And I think last year, like I said, last year he went 1-2 and against him, and he had a close match with him uh, this year. So, yeah, Ungensani looks good. Yeah, he looked really good. Um, I was actually kind of surprised. I thought, I thought Hoffman looked really good throughout the tournament. He came out with two tech falls. Uh, one over New York State's Chris Gomez, and then uh, uh, Nykter out of out of Drexel, and then he came into the finals where Ogunsanya had a close match with Gaxiola out of Austria. Well, I, maybe not a close match; it was ten four, but um, definitely wasn't a tech fall. And Ogunsanya controlled the match, and I, that was surprising to me. I thought I thought it would be a little bit closer, um, and even thought maybe Hoffman could have won that match there. Yeah. So the uh, four guys that finished. Um, in the top four qualified, so Ugunsani of Army, Hoffman of Lehigh, Nickter of Drexel, and Greg Axiola of Hofstra. Uh, up at 157, uh, the notable thing in this weight was Marcus Hartman as a two-seed injury defaulted. But this kind of setup opened up the opportunity for Sacred Heart University's Nick Palumbo to make some noise. You know, I, was, watch- I was watching that match with him and Krotman, and I'm like, you know, it was, I think, in the first uh, minute of the match, Crobman was in on a shot, and he kind of win dixied him, and he didn't score off the win dixie He uh, he had the Crobman's uh, arm trapped, and then you know held him on his back. He got a four count, so he was up six nothing to start the match. It was big. Yeah, and Crobman's not a come from behind kind of guy. He's he's definitely more of a hold the lead kind of guy. So when you when you get a good lead on him, um, you're it, you're in good shape there. Yeah, it was, uh, it was, you know, at that moment where he had that six-point lead, I was like, you know, I was looking over in the corner, John Clark, um, you know, our first guest on the show, 
he was he was going to get his first national qualifier, and sure enough, he did. And you know, Twitter kind of blew up on that. You know, a program like Sacred Heart that is headed in the right direction, I think. You know, long term with John Clark. Um, you know, it was great to see that. Yeah, you know, obviously, anytime you can get a uh, first national qualifier in a long time, it's a good feeling, and you know, good good on them. Yeah. So uh, New York's got another alumni going to the national tournament to coach. Uh, so, you know, the top one, two, three, four, five guys in this weight qualified. Um, so at first place was Holden Heller of Hofstra. He beat Palumbo in the finals. Andrew Cerniglia of Navy, Luca of Frenzy of Lehigh, and Parker Kropman of Drexel all qualified for the national tournament. Up at 165, we were pretty high on Casella during the year, um, but yeah. I don't think we saw the same Brevin Casella that we saw during the year at EIWA's. It's not just, even close. No, not even close. I mean, he he didn't look like he had the like like, like he had the uh, the spunk that he had. I don't know. He he wasn't. Yeah, I wonder if the pressure of the of the postseason got to him a little bit. Yeah, I mean, maybe. I, I don't know how much he cuts. I don't. I don't know. Um, I mean, he lost the guys that are not better than him. I, I agree. He lost yep. to Ryan Farrell of LIU. And Ryan Farrow is not better than Brevin Casella. I mean, he was obviously on that day, but I mean, you wrestled that match 10 times and I'm taking Casella nine out of 10. Yeah. So it was very unfortunate that we didn't see the the same Casella that we, we kind of were looking for or that, that we saw during the year. Um, so the top five guys that um, finished in this weight qualified, that would be Zach Hartman of Bucknell, Tanner Skegel of Navy, Evan Barzak of Drexel, Brian Mayer of Lehigh, and Ricky Stam of Hofstra. So, we had two New York guys qualify here, right? Yeah, Barzak and uh, Ricky Stam. Damn, so that's good on good on New York for sure. Yeah, good to see. Uh, up at 174, Jake Logan Paul came two and four on the year uh, with two <laughs> close losses to O'Malley and Lott, which were both you know top five, 15 guys in the country. He lost, I think, a one or two point decisions during the year to those guys, but uh, you know he. He looked pretty tough at this tournament. Um, then our guy, Jake Nolan, you know, he wrestled Lehigh and Army's guys during the duels. And those two guys that he wrestled during the duels did not wrestle, you know, for their uh, teams during the EIWA tournament. So, you know, we didn't get to see any uh, familiar competition for for Nolan in this tournament. But uh, I, I talked to Jake Nolan after the match or after the tournament. I sent him a thing and. You know, obviously, like I said earlier, he wasn't happy with his performance, but he got the job done and qualified. But what I was thinking was he wrestled four matches during the year, I believe, and right. he wrestled four matches in one day. So, like <laughs> – He doubled his, his season. Yeah, right. And, like, so I'm like, well, this is a good tune-up, I guess, for the national tournament happening in in three weeks. So, yeah. yeah. So you know, just, what's up? The one kid that, that – Nolan looked good and – he lost to Tim Fitzpatrick, who I think might have been the most underrated guy in the bracket because yeah. he came out and beat the crap out of Ross. Mm-hmm. And he kind of got worked a little bit in the, in the semis by Pesuic, who won the tournament. But then he comes out and he beats Nolan in the, in the Concy semis and gets a med forfeit for third. But he he was surprising to me. I did not – I didn't think he would come out and beat anybody up. But, I mean, that kind of goes with American not having any matches that year throughout the year. So he was kind of an unknown. Yeah, that's I didn't think of that. I mean, I knew that they registered their guys and they didn't have any matches, but yeah, he was a seven seed. He, like you said, he beat Ross to uh, open up the tournament. Um, so the top five guys qualified for this tournament uh, Michael Malley of Drexel, Ben Puziak of Army, Tim Fitzpatrick of American, Jake Logan of Lehigh, and Jake Nolan of Binghamton. So again, we have two New York guys headed to the national tournament for EIWAs. Up at 180. What's up? I said that's awesome. Yeah, it's it's great to see. Uh, I mean, I don't think I've tallied up all the New York guys that are, are qualified. I, uh, I I added, you know, Petit or Pettit of uh, Buffalo, but I'll talk about that in a little bit. Up at 184, you know, Louis next topic. He had this weight. As we mentioned, he wasn't going to have any problems. But Day, Day or Key, sorry, not Day. David Key, like we talked about last week, was – was tough yeah. he actually had a tough match with james lagan but uh then he, he beat um tj brown well T- yeah brown, he, he, he beat taylor brown 
And then he had, I mean, Louis controlled the match, but he didn't blow him out by any means in the finals. So David Key might be somebody to watch at nationals this year. Yeah. I mean, EAWAs, I think could have, I think he might be, you know, the, I think it's just going to be him and to pray that would make noise at nationals, but you never know with the other guys. They're kind of, uh, they're dark horses. Yeah, for sure. Uh, up at 97. This is kind of an interesting, um, I, I think it was the finals match. So Lehigh and army, during the year, they kind of showed that they were, they had two of the best 97 and 285 pounders. You know, when it came down to the duels, you know, Binghamton was leading Army or Lehigh and Lehigh came back and uh, they won, you know, Jacob Jacobson and then Jordan Wood up at 285. Well, Army has a pretty solid 97 and 285 pounder as well. So we saw finals uh, matches Friday night or Friday afternoon. It was Army versus Lehigh, Army versus Lehigh. So, 197 kind of went to chalk, you know, the top eight seeds. Uh, Coaster versus Brown, uh, th- that match in the finals, I believe it was the finals. No, it was the semis. semis yeah. yeah, so Coaster and Brown, it was one-to-one in rideouts. And who was – it was Navy, yeah. So Navy was on top. Coaster was on top, and uh, Brown had his the, the one leg up in the air, I believe. And Coaster kind of used his other leg just to – he might've kicked out the knee. I'm not sure, but he was just really trying to stay behind, I think. And Brown kind of fell down, but it wasn't like a, a malicious kick, but he got called for, you know, a legal kickback, I believe. So it was a legal move. And then he gave up at a escape. And then I believe he got an escape. So he, he ended up losing three to two coaster did. I know Kerry Cola challenged the challenged it and it didn't go anywhere, but that was an interesting one. I think coaster probably could have beat Brown. I'm going to have to pull that up. Yeah, I, I watched it last night. I was watching it live too, but I just kind of had to, you know, rejog my memory. But in this weight, Jacob Jacobson of Lehigh, JT Brown of Army, Brian McLaughlin of Drexel, Jacob Koser of Navy, and Trey Rogers of Hofstra all qualified for the national tournament. And up at 285, uh, you know, we said it last on the preview episode, uh, Doyle of Binghamton, his first match was going to be against Zach Knight and Ward. You know, first match of the year. Uh, it's probably not a great match to wrestle Zach Nightmore. He was a national qualifier last year. He didn't look very good in that first match, did he? No, he did not. Okay, hold on. What just happened? You watched, just watched the yeah, yeah, like, he really called that illegal? Yeah. Like, have you – so you do you know how Ben Darnstead does his mat returns where, where he has a leg in and he, he has one leg across and he's pulling the other one out? Yep. How is that any different than what I just watched? I know, and, and and this guy was really – Coaster was kind of at like a, a disadvantage because he had a leg up in the air. He was just really doing his best to hold on and, and stay behind him. And Right. Like, the other kid had his leg in the – like the other kid had his leg in the air. So, like, how else was he supposed to, to do anything because he was around the guy's body? I don't know how he was supposed to, to finish that. Yeah, I, I don't either. And, you know, they – haven't lost this match. Go find it. Nine, the 197 semis start at 14-40. And watch from, or yeah, 1440 and watch from there, and you'll see what we're talking about. This doesn't make any sense. I don't know how they called this illegal. I mean, I guess he's off his feet, but like he didn't have a choice but to be off his feet. Yeah, his whole body was going in the air because you know Brown was elevating his leg and he had no choice but to kind of start to climb the body, and his his leg kicked out um, Brown's leg. So, yeah, that was a point that really obviously determined the match because. It was three to two without that point. You know, it could have been two to two. I don't know who scored first and who would have, you know, had choice well, to go bottom. It was one one, and then that put it at three at two one. And then he was like, I, "I'm going to lose. I got to cut him and get a takedown." Right. See, he probably could have wrote him out, and but then he he got an escape in the second ride out. I believe it was a three to two match. So it, it just kind of like was an unfortunate thing for him, especially. You know, tiebreaker too. Luckily, they qualified five to weight, and he was going to be able to qualify. But yeah, he he was definitely think, that close to advancing to the EIWA finals. Yeah, so that was that was the the second of the two rideouts that that happened in. And if he would have rode out, he would have won the match because it was the second tiebreakers. And he he would have won if he rode him out. And then he kept pushing because he let him up to get a takedown, and he kept pushing and he got a skull call. Yeah, the other kid got hit for stalling. Yeah. That made it too. Yeah, that's that, right. I forgot the stall call happened. That was bad. I can't believe, yeah. they, I can't believe they called that. That just kind of, I mean, 
I don't know if he would have wrote him, but that makes it, it, it helped determine the match for sure, though. Absolutely. Yeah, not good to see. Uh, up right. at 285, as I mentioned, Zach Knight and Ward wrestled Joe Doyle of Binghamton to start the, the tournament. Um, it's really start Doyle's season. Um, you know, Doyle kind of had to knock the rust off during the tournament. He, as I mentioned, lost to Knight and Ward. In the wrestlebacks, you know, he won two straight to make it to the Concy semis. I believe he, he lost again to Knight and Ward. You know, but the top four at this weight were really pretty solid guys. I mean, you're yeah, looking you know, at Jordan. Jordan Wood of Lehigh, he won his fourth EIWA title. He beat Ro- Robert Heald of Army West Point in the finals. And then uh, Zach, Zach Nightmore beat Joe Doyle 7-2 to for third and fourth. So those four guys qualified for the national tournament. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm pretty happy with those four guys because, once again, they're, they're pretty tough. Yeah, we got two, two – uh, well, we got one New Yorker and Doyle in there. Yep. Who's Bing- who I was wrestling for Binghamton. I think the Navy kid, Birchheimer, Birch Meyer, could also get a wild card. Yeah, he was a two seed in the tournament. Uh, he lost. And then uh, Joe Doyle beat him in the wrestlebacks, which, you know, it was a good good match for Doyle to, to win, especially, you know, starting your year at the EIWA tournament. He, that was part yeah, of it. I think he had a good four-point near fall in the third period to kind of put it away. Yeah. Um, one thing I noticed during the tournament really was the New York guys kind of struggled off bottom. Yeah, and you know, I see the same thing, and I think that that's honestly goes back on the New York high school officials. Um, I don't know if you have this up in North Country. We have it down here, and, and when I go to Section 5 or Section 3, or even when I go up to Section 2 every once in a while, you know, they all call Matt wrestling stalling inconsistent. It makes no sense to me. I don't understand it. I don't know why we call it any differently than they do in college. You know, if they're going to, if we're going to have rules similar to each other, call them the same way. You know, like we all, like high school has a stalling out of bounds rules. College has a stalling out of bounds rules. Call them the same way. They don't, but they should. And then you have the, the stalling on top and bottom. Like we could have one guy with a tight waist and a one-on-one running, trying to grind a tilt and he gets hit for stalling. Why? He's trying to, he's on the, he's on the side trying to, trying to, run a tilt, but he's going to hit for stalling because the other kid can't bring his hips up. Yeah. It's not my job to let the guy bring his hips up and vice versa. on the other way, if I got, if I got a tight waist and a one-on-one or, or even if I have a bar and a reinforced bar and I'm just sitting on top of the guy grinding him down, his hips can't come up. And the ref hits the bottom guy for stalling because his hips can't come up. I literally can't bring him up. Now I'm not saying the bottom guy should get hit for stalling there or the top guy should get hit for stalling there. I'm saying, let him wrestle. Like, you know what I mean? Like, if, if it looks like nobody can do anything, stalemate. That's what stalemates are for. Yeah, I, uh, I'm i in the same boat as you are. You know, I see high school wrestling officials, you know, officiating these matches all wrong, I think. Um, the top – we kind of mentioned it, like, I don't know, probably a month ago now, how, you know, some of the, the, the top guys that are losing and they're trying to score get called for stalling. And the bottom guy is obviously not really working up. It's just – it's so asinine, I think. And uh, I'm right there with you. I think part of the problem is these guys going on to, to wrestle in college and re- maybe wrestling these Pennsylvania guys or whoever else that are, you know, riding us tough on top. Um, th- that helps to the – it all brings it back to high school. I mean, obviously, it's, it's partly their fault as well, trying, you know, struggling to get off bottom. But it does have something to do with the officiating in high school, I think. Yeah, and you know, um, one of the conversations I had to have with Drew early on uh, in the season is actually against Trampy uh, when he wrestled Trampy is, and it, and it comes back to the high school officials. You know, if I know high school doesn't have riding time, but college does, and high school does not have the capacity to have riding time. the The table help will not be able to keep track of that, and you're asking way too much on most of the time. It's pee wee kids or or high school parents running the running the thing that doesn't don't know anything about wrestling. And so I'm not asking to put riding time in, but I'm asking call stalling on top the same way they do in college. Because when these kids go to college, they have no idea what they're doing. There was a position there's multiple times with drew where he he's broken flat and the kids got good pressure, keeping them flat in the mat. And he literally can't move. I mean, the top guy is doing his job and drew gets hit for stalling. And he's like, I, 
I couldn't move. Why am I getting hit for stalling? I literally can't move. And this guy's not doing anything. It's not his job to let you do something. Yeah. Like, why, why are we calling it any different than that? Like, I shouldn't have to explain that to my high school kids who go into wrestling college who are like, I couldn't move. Why did I get hit? Because that should be the standard in high school as well. It's no, folk I, style wrestling. If you're going to have writing and folk style wrestling, let people ride. Is it boring? Yeah, but that's folk style wrestling. This is going to lead up to a great listener question or just a great question in general for tomorrow's guest as I bring on Matt Sorenchinski. You know, the, the, the national, one of the top 10, top five national wrestling refs, um, NCAA wrestling refs. Um, he does a little bit of high school, I think. Um, you know, it's, it's going to be something good to pick his brain on, um, you know, the, the stalling in the college and then stalling in high school and how that might help out when you're getting into high school or into college. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to ask him about that. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good, a good position to, to talk about, as well as the stalling out of bounds. Yeah, that, that too. Um, let's dig into the, some of the MAC conference uh, results. Yeah. So before we do, I have I have another another bone to pick with the Max. Yes. We are in 2021, in a pandemic where people cannot attend tournaments and watch their kids wrestle. Why is it that a conference championship at the Division One level has worse coverage than my high school wrestling match that my team had on Saturday? Makes no sense. I had commentators at my high school wrestling match. So I couldn't attend. I couldn't attend my dual meet on Saturday. We wrestled Waverly and I had to watch on YouTube. I, my, my assistants did their job and they were coaching. I had to watch on YouTube and there was commentators who did their work and studied high school wrestlers section four, not great wrestlers. They went down, they looked up their records. They found out who they've wrestled. They had background that they were talking about. They had a graphic on the screen with the scoreboard. But the MAC Conference Championships at the Division I level can't do that? They just have an overhead camera looking at a mat? Are you kidding me? In 2021, that's what we're doing? That's what we're, that's what we're giving these college athletes who can't have their families at the tournament to support them and let their parents sit at home and watch an overhead screen? Come on now. That's not fair to these kids. That's not fair to these athletes. And that's not fair to their families who put all the work in to allow them to succeed to where they are. Go off. Yes. I, I, I agree hundred percent. I did not watch the Mac. Um, I was free Friday, but I kind of spent my time watching IWAs. And then on Saturday I was at work. So I was not able to watch the Mac tournament. Um, yeah, so I, I didn't watch it either. You know why? Cause the coverage sucked. Yeah. I mean, I, that was something that I kind of got off of, uh, you know, on Twitter, People were talking about the max. I think you ran it about it a little bit as well. Yeah, that's not good to see. It's a national, it's a division one level. Um, you've got to do better than that, Matt. Come on. Uh, but talking about some of the results, you know, we'll just cover some of the final results, um, you know, in the final matches. Drew Hildebrandt at 125 picked up a decision over certain of Missouri, six to one. Up at 133, Matt Schmidt of Missouri. One by decision over Richie Kohler of Ryder, nine to six. Hold on, real quick. Noah Certain made the finals of Max, and he wasn't even supposed to start. Yeah, that's Brown's weight. Pretty sure he's a qualifier. I don't remember exactly how many the Max got here, but I think they ended up with two. And he's a, he's a, he's a backup on Missouri, and he now he's a national qualifier. Yeah, I've got to imagine that they qualified two at this weight. I don't think any of them had you know one when we were talking about it last week. Yeah, I don't think so either. Uh, up at 141, Dresden Simon of Central Michigan won by decision over Mackenzie Ball of Ryder, 12 to 5. Notable, um, Mackenzie Ball of Ryder beat Alan Hart in the semis of Missouri. No, yeah, that was crazy, Matt. Yeah. Um, so this was the way, you know, Span, he finished sixth. I think he needed to finish third or fourth to qualify. He needed to finish fourth. Fourth, yeah. So this tough tournament for Span. I don't think this was the same span we saw last year. You got to think he's a little burned out. I mean, he's I, think, I think so. Senior. It's, it's rough. I feel bad for the guy. He had a really good career coming through. I, I'd like to know if he's wrestling next year, but I, I'm going to say I doubt it at this point. Yeah, I would I would reach out to him probably in a month. I, I'm friends with him on Facebook. I'll, uh, I'll kind of ask him, you know, after the season, after some time to digress. 
so, but you guys all remember Trampy's first match of the year. He kind of had that weird win over Ryder. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, I actually didn't realize this until I read this note. Yeah, right. So he picked up the win over Bell of Ryder, and Bell's the one that you know took second in the the max. He's the one that beat Alan Hart in the semis. So that was a big, that was a good win for Zach Trampe looking back at it. Yeah. And again, that was another one of those ones where I look back like, man, Trampy looked terrible. He did not wrestle well. It was a little sloppy. I remember he was looking up at his coaches, like, like, I know I messed up. I know I had a bad match, but now you look at it. And after you see this result with him beating Hart and making the finals of max and qualifying for nationals. And you're like, maybe that kid, maybe it was just, that kid was good. And he just gave Trampy a, a, a look that he wasn't used to. Yeah, I mean, that could have been it. I didn't really know much of, of Bell um, besides. Well, after, after this weekend, I, I uh, Pat Maneo actually tweeted about it. I guess Bell last year upset the number one seed at New Jersey States to make the finals. And hmm. I think that was uh, – and it was like one of those things. It was like, hey, Bell's used to this kind of thing. He's used to being the underdog. He's used to knocking off the number one guys. So, like, it, it was interesting to see that. Yeah, good on him. Up at 149, Brock Mahler of Missouri won by decision over Marcus Robinson of Cleveland State, 6-0. Up at 157, our New York guy, Jesse Delbecki of Ryder, won by decision over Jarrett Jaquez of Missouri, 3-2. Um, Michael Pettit or Michael Petit of Buffalo, he qualified. I believe he, because Peter Pappas took fourth, but I believe they wrestled in a true fourth match because they qualified fourth as weight. And um, Petit beat Pappas to advance and qualify for the national tournament. Yeah, that, that's what happened. I, know, I remember, um, and it wasn't really close, Petit actually majored Pappas in that true fourth match. Yep. Um, yeah, because I saw the, the bracket, and then I'm like, no, they wrestled each other in uh, for th- true fourth. So, you know, good for Buffalo. I believe that's their only their only automatic qualifier. Up at 165, yeah. freshman phenom Keegan O'Toole won by decision over Isaac Olizhenik of Northern Illinois, 6-2. Uh, Jake Silverstein of Ryder took fifth. Um, he did not qualify for the national tournament. Yeah, and his chances at a wild card aren't looking great either. Yeah, not very good. Up at 174, Andrew McNally of Kent State won by decision over Peyton Monko of Missouri, 8-7. to seven. Shout out to John Worthing, Tioga's alum. He took fifth for Clarion. Man, he's got so big. <laughs> 184, Britt Wilson of Northern Illinois won by fall over Jeremiah Kent of Missouri. Four minutes and 33 seconds. 197, Rocky Elam of Missouri won by decision over Ben Smith of Cleveland State, 10 to 4. Up at 285, Matt Stencil of Central Michigan won by decision over Ethan Laird, 8 to 2. That was a big win. Yeah, I mean, that whole that whole heavyweight bracket was actually not bad. Yeah. They I think they had six guys that were, you know, really top, top maybe 30 in the country, top 25, maybe. I think four of them were top 25, but yeah, that's that's another one where Bigoton has Sam Schuyler who might need an at-large. I don't know if he's going to get it. Um, hard telling. So uh, moving on to the ACCs. Yeah. All right. So I actually spent a ton of time watching ACCs. I watched um, all of the front side of the bracket, every quarter match, every semi match, every final match. It was a ton, it was a ton of fun. I enjoyed every second of it. These guys were scrapping. You could tell the ACC tournament means a lot to these guys. Um, I'm actually going to go in order of the of what the finals went. So we're going to start at 33, where Corbin Myers actually defeated Mickey Philippi. And this is something that a lot of people are going to be surprised about. Uh, but Corbin Myers looked great all year long. He's been super offensive all year. He's been making, making, having quick finishes. And it's a recipe for disaster for Mickey Philippi because Philippi is a really good defense. But if you can finish quick, he his stuff isn't going to work on you. And that's what Corbin Myers was able to do. Um, he was able to get in and finish and not make it about the scrambles, but make it about, you know, get, getting the uh, physical finishes. And then um, Jarrett Trombley, who we talked about a little bit in the beginning of the year when uh, Ryan Jack was actually starting over him at one point, defeated Josh Heilman of North Carolina for the NCAA berth, which was also another – you know, Josh Hahn was another one with a, in a big roster battle between uh, Jamie Hernandez and um, Gabe Tag. So that was that was a big win for him. And he ended up losing for the in the fourth third place match to Louis Hayes. But they took four here, so 
Uh, Corbin Myers, Phillippe, Trombley, and Louis Hayes are all going to, to NCAAs. Nice. Up at 141, Tariq Wilson looked phenomenal. He had a great weekend. He came out. This is actually, I believe, his first ACC championship. Um, he had a big, a big major decision win over Zach Sherman of UNC. And then, unfortunately, Mr. Brian Courtney of Athens, PA, also wrestling for Virginia, lost to Cole Matthews for third place. Um, Courtney's going to need a wild card. And 141 has been kind of wild at the other week, at the other tournaments. So I'm not positive. Hopefully he gets one. We'll have to wait and see for that. Yeah, I didn't uh, watch any of this. But then, well, yeah, 141 is a, a wait in this conference that I was kind of excited for. Obviously, Sherman and Wilson, you know, they were pretty – we, we kind of talked about them a lot this year, even Matthews and Courtney. Um, yeah, the, the top four this, at this weight was phenomenal. And in any normal year, they'd all would have had AQs. But, uh, you know, with the COVID and the weird allocation system this year, unfortunately, Courtney's going to be waiting for a wild card. Yeah, I mean, not even to mention Sammy Hilligus of Virginia Tech. He didn't even qualify as well. Right. Moving up to 149, this match was insane. If you have not watched this match, you need to go watch it. Um, Austin O'Connor defeats Bryce Andonian 10 to 8. Andonian went up 6 to 0 in the first, I don't know, minute and a half. Held O'Connor on his back, was dangerously close to a pinfall. O'Connor was able to get off his back and then just went to work for the next five minutes. He was able to, to score a bunch of takedowns to come back and win the match here. It was a lot of fun to watch. I did not watch that match. Um, I need to go, go back and watch it. I, I When I got out of work yesterday morning, going through Facebook, I saw several, several of my friends kind of took pictures and they're, you know, saying they're watching the ACC finals on the ACC network. And they all talked about the 149 match fireworks. Yeah. I've got to watch this match. Grace Andonian might become one of my top five favorite guys watching college. Hmm. Actually, yeah, go ahead. No, you're good. No, go no I was just going to say, uh, you know, I listened to Jake Hugley's Mad Geeks podcast with, uh, Mahler the last night and they kind of talked about that match as well. Well, they talked about all the ACC, but some of these matches I've got to, I got to dig back and, and watch before, you know, before the end of the day. Yeah. We went to 157. Hayden Hiley, major Justin McCoy. McCoy's tough. Hayden Hiley, next topic. Yeah. I mean, obviously, uh, what was the finals match? Um, he, he majored him, right? I don't think he majored him yeah. in the duel. No, I don't think he did either. Yeah, because he but, kind of looked. We're like, oh well, that's not the Hayden, you know, that we normally see. But yeah, he majored in the duel. That's or in the finals. Um, yeah, NC State looked pretty tough. That that was a a weight that they needed to not a weight that they needed to major, but you know, these bonus points definitely helped in the team race. Right. Absolutely. Um, up to sixty-five. Jake Wenzel decision. Jake Keating four-zero in the finals. This this bracket was a lot of fun. Um, let me see if I can find the – I had the brackets up at one point. Where did they go? There they are. So, um, Daniel Bullard – or is it Tommy? This one's Tommy. Tommy Bullard beat Kennedy Monday for third in overtime. So, those four are going to end up going. I, I believe they get four here. Actually, I feel like they had three. I think they had three. Yeah, I feel like they had three. Yep. So – Bullard actually gets the AQ, but you got to think. I mean, Makai Lewis is going to get a wild card, and Kennedy Monday is going to get a wild card. You, keep, I mean, you can't keep those two out of the NCAA tournament. Those yeah. guys are easily a uh, challengers here. So obviously, we saw Makai. He didn't even wrestle the match. He injury defaulted, and yep. that's. I think it's the same thing that you know Hartman. You, you need to enter the the uh, the conference tournament to qualify for an at large, right? If you have to weigh in and you have to actually like go out to the mat for at least a match for a free, yeah, for a second. Right. Yeah. So yeah. He'll, he went out and he defaulted after a second. Yeah. So, time. I mean, to answer uh, Tommy, he kind of asked uh, Tommy Sleeman asked on our Twitter, um, you know, what happened with Makai? Cause he didn't, he didn't even watch the match. Um, he just saw the result and yeah, that's what happened. Obviously Makai was injured from a few weeks ago when he wrestled and he knew he wasn't going to be hundred percent, but he's a, you know, 2019 NCAA champion. So he was going to get that at large. So he just did his part. You know, he weighed in, he stepped on the mat, injury defaulted out. And now he's just looking for an at large, which he's probably going to get. 
Yeah, I mean, if you didn't if you didn't see it, he wrestled with Jake Wenzel and he got taken down and then ridden out for about four and a half minutes. And then there was a weird uh, a weird position where Wenzel had a leg in and he was working for a bar on the far side and um, Makai's shoulder kind of popped and you watched it kind of like uh, I don't even know how to explain it. Like he kind of went to the ground, and then even Wenzel like stopped the like he pointed to the ref and said his shoulders his shoulders wrong. I don't know what happened, but um, I actually didn't I didn't see that until uh, this past week, and I was actually surprised Makai actually did. I'm not surprised Makai actually got hurt. He clearly was hurt. He would have wrestled if he didn't, but um, it didn't look good. So hopefully he's fine by NCAA's. Yeah, hoping so too. Got to think he will be. You, you don't you don't weigh in and take a spot from a teammate if you're if you don't think you're going to be fine by NCAA's. Yeah, that's true. I, I didn't think of that. I mean, he uh, he should be fine. I mean, I mean, we might see him in a brace or whatever, but I yeah, don't, not a, not yeah, a we'll, we might not see him at you know ninety five percent. But right, um, up to seventy four. Daniel Bullard of NC State defeats Clay Lau of UNC in an an awesome match. This was a ton of fun to watch. Um, Clay Lau came out and got a takedown in the first period. Um, and then ended up taking neutral because nobody wants to go underneath somebody with the last name of Bullard. Um, and they ended up being 2-2 going in overtime, and they had a couple of really good scrambles in overtime, and Daniel Bullard was able to kind of scoot. He had a little bit of a, a boot scoot through a leg in and had like a, a cross body ride going, and then the ref gave him two. Um, it was a little controversial, but I, I, I saw where the two came from. I wouldn't be – I mean, if you're a UNC fan, you're probably not happy with the call, but – um overall i think it was the right thing right call to make yeah you know another one that was with makai you know injury defaulting out virginia tech really wasn't in the theme race i guess but um i think clay lock bumped up to wrestle hidley in the duel right maybe maybe i don't know i thought that they wrestled but yeah either way that's a, a good win for daniel bullard um just you know getting that that win was uh yeah clay lost pretty tough how many? How many did they qualify at this weight, though? At seventy-four, I believe they only took two. Yeah, because I mean Victor Marcelli and Cody Howard. I mean, I don't think they're good enough. I don't think. Actually, you know, now you say that, I think they took three because I think I remember I remember talking about uh, Vin Maselli possibly getting in. Okay. Um, yeah, he did bump up, and he actually wrestled Trent Hiley and Hunter Bowen. Oh wow! He, I didn't know that that he wrestled Hunter either. And then it was back to back days. He 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 lost to Trent Hadley five one. They lost to Hunter Bullen eight three. And hmm. then the only other loss he has is the Bullard in the ACC finals. Interesting. Yeah, I don't know why. I mean, I'm not sure why you bump up there when you got somebody like Bullard in your weight class. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't. Yeah, I've got. I've got to look at that duel and uh, see who they all wrestled. Yeah, uh, up to eighty four. This was the match I was waiting for. I was super pumped to watch. Um, Hunter Bullen wrestled Trent Hidley. Hidley finally gets over the hump, takes out Hunter Bullen in overtime with a just an absolutely amazing low, uh, kind of like a far knee pick, but kind of dropped down to the ankle and finished low. It was a ton of, I mean, all right, I want to say this is a ton of fun. It was actually kind of boring for the most part. There were some scrambles, but a one-one match is never super entertaining, and that's kind of what we got. But when you cared about the match, I'm sure you're gonna be excited. And I have Hunter or Trent. I have Trent Hidley on my fantasy squad. He was my only wrestler wrestling this weekend. All the rest of my guys are in the Big Ten, and he ended up coming away with an overtime victory. So, shout out to the Diakama Halai fantasy wrestling team. Ooh. Uh yeah. So as we mentioned after Trent wrestled Hunter during the uh, season, I said Trent's got to get a takedown if he wants to win this match. I mean, obviously. That's kind of silly to say, right? You're obviously going to need to take them, but he, he's somebody that hasn't taken down Bowling. You know, he hasn't been able to get that offense and, and get a takedown on Bowling. And, uh, yeah, him taking down Bowling and getting over the hump is huge. To, I don't know how they're going to see this weight at the NCAA tournament. It's going to be pretty interesting. Yeah, so they wrestled four times. So that's 28 minutes minimum of wrestling. And then you add in the overtime, and it's taking them over probably about 30 minutes to take down Hunter Bowen. Yeah. That's, that's crazy. That is crazy. But, you know, he, he got to his offense. He, he scored. Um, he's got to do it again if he wants to beat Bowen again. I mean. You know, I want to see Bowen on the freestyle scene because, I mean, we just watched Trent Hidley take down 
a Miles Amin, what, two, three times in the match? Yeah. And it takes him 30 minutes to get the Hunter Bowling. Yeah, that's true. That's a good way to look at that. <clears throat> it would be very, very nice to see Bowling on freestyle down there as our Southeast Regional Training Center. That being said, if this was freestyle, Hunter Bowling would have got tech full of pushouts. Yeah, that's true. I don't how they pushed him around the mat. <laughs> Getting the underhook and just pushed him out. But uh, one thing that I got to say is, you know, we, we saw a lot. He, he wrestled Hidley during the duel. Um, Devin Kane, uh, UNC, he went 174 for the duel. So they basically just flip-flopped. Law and Kane, uh, Law, you know, went 74 for the EIWAs, and Devin Kane went 184. So that was our answering our last question. Makes sense. Moving up to 97, Nino Bonacorsi versus J.I.L.O. Nino looked amazing this weekend. He kind of beat up Nick Renan, and then he went in the finals and kind of beat up J.I.L.O. 10-4. to 4. Um, Not much to really say. Nino looked great. He's a he's a title contender in 97. Um, Nick Renan, unfortunately, did not qualify. He lost in the third-place match to Max Shaw. That's right, Max Shaw from UNC. Um, who actually looked really good. He gave J.I.L.O. everything he could handle. He was up four to three or four two, maybe going into the second, into the third. And I.L.O. No, okay, it was four two late into the second period. I.L.O. got a takedown and wrote him out. And then Shaw went bottom when it was four four. And this choice made no sense to me because he had just got written out. He wasn't close to getting escaped in the second period. I.L.O. is on top now. Max Shaw gets ridden out for the entire third period to lose the match 5-4 once ILO is secured riding time. Man, I did I did not understand him taking bottom there. I, you already got two takedowns on him throughout the match. You, you got to stay on your feet. Uh, yeah, I didn't watch this match either, um, but I'm pretty sure I picked J.I.L.O. to beat Bonacorsi at the EIWAs. No, I picked Nino to get the win over Jay at the EIWAs. I had Jay over Nino during the, the season. But yeah, Nino looks tough, man. I think, you know, one, like I, we mentioned in the uh, national tournament, uh, the 197 could be kind of wide open. We, we got Amin, obviously, but uh, you know, Nino's a guy that's going to put ACC on the map. That, I mean, J.I.L. is no slouch either. He's probably going to All-American. Um, 97 is so much fun this year. Yeah. Uh, Hopefully, Rena gets a, a at-large. I don't know. He could, but I I don't think he will. To be, if I'm being honest, Big Twelves, Big Twelves. How many does Big Twelves get at 197? I want to say three. Okay, well, I think they've got like four or five that are pretty solid. So they got five. They have five dudes that are that are that are legit. Yeah. I mean, we'll go. We'll do our preview tomorrow on on that. But man, let's let's move on because that that bracket's gonna be crazy. Yeah, that's awesome. 285, Deontay Wills of NC State takes out Hunter Katka of Virginia Tech in tiebreakers. Um, Deontay Wilson did what Deontay Wilson does and wins his matches, but I was super impressed with Hunter Katka, the true freshman out of Virginia Tech. Um, he came out, he beat Quinn, Quinn, uh, Quinn Miller in the semis. Pretty, I mean, it wasn't like a dominating win, but it was convincing to me. You know, he came out, got a couple takedowns made it made it made it about him instead of Quinn Miller's offense which was super impressive couldn't get his offense going here he actually had a couple of positions where it looked like Deontay was about to score Katka kept taking kind of I don't want to say lazy shots but it was they weren't great shots and he ended up kind of on his face and Wilson kind of running behind uh he was able to kind of hold him off at the end of the third period I mean there was a contra controversial takedown that Wilson might have had at the end of regulation that they waved off and then same it was literally picture perfect exact same scenario in overtime four seconds left he's down on his knees and wilson's running behind and time runs out again so uh he just got to clean up his offense a little bit not not taking bad shots and i think that might be a different match at ncaa's yeah i mean this is we saw wilson versus borst during the year um you know they they go with kaka and yeah, uh, Wilson picked up the win. It was in Reynolds Coliseum, so I wouldn't have expected anything less out of Wilson. That's his uh, that's his playground, and uh, that that was NC State's fourth EIW, or uh, fourth ACC champion. Uh, so they finished the tournament with four, 
uh, and they won the tournament in their home gym. So that's pretty cool to see. I'm finishing off at 125. Talk about five champs. Five champs? I, I counted five yesterday, but looking back at this, I was only counting. No, so it's it's not. So if you look at 184, they have it backwards. Oh, yeah, so yeah, I, yeah. It says Bowling versus High. Okay, yeah, you're good. Yeah, they had five champs. That's right. Yeah, because they were five, five for five going into 125. And uh, that match was nuts. Now again, another one of those one-one matches where if you're invested, you know it's great. But if you're gonna go back and watch, you're like, oh man, this is boring. Um, except for the end of the regulation, there was a really crazy scramble at the end of regulation that the time kind of saved Jacob Camacho from getting taken down once again. Um, these two stay in crazy, unreal scenarios. Sam Latona ended up beating Jacob Camacho in tiebreakers. He got a clutch ride out and I mean there's not much more to say in a 2-1 tiebreakers match but these two will always be in crazy close matches uh Sam Latona is going to change his name to ice in my veins because that dude just wins close matches yeah well when you're going to wrestle some of some of the guys that are in the big tens I mean I think that he's probably better than most of the guys in the big tens obviously besides Spencer Lee but I don't think winning close matches is, is going to work against some of those guys. I, I, I don't know. know. I don't know. I, 25 is going to be interesting because you got all the guys from the Big Ten, obviously minus Sam Spencer Lee. We're going to talk about 125 as if Spencer Lee doesn't exist because we know he's going to win. Right. So, I mean, you got like Heinzelman and, and Foley and Schroeder. Uh, Robbie Howard's going to be a big name eventually. You never know what he can do. Um, Jack Medley is still tough out of out of Michigan, and then you throw in Latona and Camacho, and you, you never know what you're going to get. You pick a name out of a hat, and that's who's going to make the NCAA finals opposite Spencer Lee. So, talking about all those good guys, and then talking about Camacho, who lost to Latona for the second time, you've got to think Camacho's seed might not be the greatest for the national tournament. Like, I hope he's not up top because. You know, it's possible that it's not bad, though, because if you look at the Big Ten guys, everybody in there is going to have at least two losses. except oh, for yeah. Spencer. yeah, Big Ten and 125 is just a mess besides Spencer Lee's record. Right, so like, there's still a chance Camacho is three, realistically. I mean, yeah, they, they, some people have Courtney over him at, at three. I could see that. Or Drew Hildebrand, I believe, is undefeated, right? Yeah, Hildebrand, Hildebrand also. Hildebrand might be two. I mean, I think his best bet is six. If if he to be satisfied with your seed, if I'm Jacob Camacho, I want to be six. Yeah, some of them, some of them had him at six. Some of them had him at seven. You got Brandon Courtney. You got Drew Hildebrandt. I mean, Teske, um as well. If he wins Big Twelves. Yeah, I mean that's possible. He, he's Big Twelves is a good weight at one twenty five too, though. So you never know what's going to happen there. Yeah, that's true. Uh, no, we'll have to wait next weekend. We'll, we'll have to wait. I think we'll we should get brackets next Wednesday. I think they're coming out the eleventh, or maybe the entries are. I, I think we get. I think we get wild cards on Tuesday, and then there's an appeal process, and then we get brackets on Wednesday. I could be wrong. They do the selection thing. I'll find out when it is. Let's uh, move. Let's move further south to the SoCons. Yeah. So I'm, I don't want to go through the whole thing. I didn't get, I didn't watch any of the tournament. Um, it's a real small weight, a real small, small event. Uh, just a couple of things that kind of affect the New York guys. Uh, 125, uh, Zerch Storm beat Fabian Gutierrez in the semis. Um, why that's important is Gutierrez was in the coaches ranking, which makes that not great for Micah because that means Gubi, Gubi, uh, Jesus. Gutierrez is – looking for a wild card as well so did they take only one at this way or do they take two i think most of these were only one yeah so i mean and zerg storm took second in the in the weight which i don't also know if that's doesn't it. Help well it doesn't help Michael. it doesn't help at all right yeah. moving up to 33 sean carter new york state champ uh won the bracket he qualifies for ncaa's he beat jake rotunda in the finals which was i mean that's a, that's a good win for him I'm excited to see how he can do it at NCAAs. I think this is his first trip to nationals. I think so. Yep. Um, the 49. This isn't really like a New York thing, but it's it's a it's a a big national thing. Josh Heil lost in the finals to Jonathan Milner. 
Now, Milner was the one seed, so I'm guessing something like this happened earlier in the year. But Josh Howell's tough. He was around a 12 or uh, two years ago. Um, so that's a little surprising to me to see him lose in the conference finals here. Um, and the final note, Tyler Musa, unfortunately, does not get an AQ. He takes third, and he will need a wild card to go to nationals. The thing he's got going for him is he's got a pretty solid win percentage, but I'm not sure if he has any quality wins over any national qualifiers at this point. Um, so we'll have to wait and wait and see what his fate is. Yeah, I, I'm trying to think. Like, obviously, we talked about Sacred Heart getting their first a national qualifier since 2007. Um, I, I don't know when the last time DMI has had a national qualifier. I mean, yeah, they, I they might have had one in the recent years. I just I haven't – I don't recall. Um, I, I do think, you know, he's a freshman. I think his time is coming. He, he might have, you know, four more years after this. I don't know what his plans are. Um, but as a true freshman at 197, you know, his path is – He's on the right path, I think. No, for sure, absolutely. And the guy that beat him in the semis, he actually does have a win over earlier in the year. He beat him 3-2 over um, Logan Andrew Chattanooga. So there, there's a shot. I don't think it's a very great shot, especially at 197, um, where we've already talked about guys who are going to need wild cards like Nick Green. And so yeah. we'll find – we'll see eventually. Yeah, hopefully uh, the Citadel gets a, a – qual- or a – a wild card, um, you know, shout out Ryan LeBlanc. I reached yeah. out to him, you know, section three alum. He's oh, head coach there. What's up? They did get a qualifier, right? They had somebody win the, win the tournament. Oh, yeah, right here. They're heavyweight. They're heavyweight one? Yeah, Michael Mc, uh Oh, yeah, Michael Mc, uh, Yeah, uh, but they've got a few other at-larges at, like, you know, at 133, Jake Rotunda. Um, yeah. And then, you know, Dejan Castro. But, yeah, uh, shout out to Ryan LeBlanc. So, uh, some of our New York guys that are qualified as of now, uh, 125, we have no one. Like we mentioned, Rose needs an at-large. 133, Sean, Sean Carter of App State. 141, Vespa and Peters. 149, Ogunsanya and Gaxiola. 157, Heller and Cropman. Delvecchia and Petit. Teamer and Hartman also needs an at-large for Army. How about Teamer real quick? Teamer looked good at Pac-12s. Yeah, I didn't watch it. I didn't either. Oh, well, I didn't watch alternative, but I watched a little bit of Teamer, and he he looks like he's kind of back on track for the most part. Yeah, I watched a little highlight clip that they they put out, and uh, yeah, it was good to see him back on his in his groove. Hopefully, he you know carries that into the national tournament. L forty, one sixty five, Barzak and Stam, as we mentioned, out of EIWA, they qualified. One seventy four, Puziak of Army and Jake Nolan, and Jake Paul Logan Ryan whatever, Jake Logan. <laughs> Uh, Lehigh, 184, Dupre of Binghamton, Small of Hofstra, Brown of <laughs> Army, 197, Brown and Rogers, 285, Heald, Nightward, and Doyle. Oh, Doyle rules. So, yeah, those are our qualifiers for either their New York guys or the wrestling for New York school. So, Just a little uh, Pac-12 stuff. We didn't really go over it too much, but a couple of notable results – Obviously, Jacory Teamer, we talked about. Um, he comes out, he wins the tournament. Um, at 141, Real Woods comes out and doesn't look great in his first two matches. I, I don't know if anybody knows who he is. He had he had one career loss coming into this to Luke Pletcher in overtime. Comes out, he wins two, three, two matches, and then he lo- actually gets pinned to Grant Willits of Oregon, Oregon State, who he majored last year in the Pac-12 finals. Um, so that was a big deal. Uh, Jaden Abbas from Stanford, he he collected a Pac-12 title. Um, Anthony Valencia defeated Shane Griffith, who was undefeated in his career coming into this match. Anthony Valencia just controlled the whole match. He put him on his back in the first period and then didn't really look back from there. Um, keep moving up, see if there's any other big results. Uh, Cordell Norfleet comes out with a Pac-12 title. Um, Colton Schultz. Uh, beat Nathan, Nathan Traxler in the finals of eight, uh, Pac-12s, 3-1. to one. That kid just wins, man. He, he wins close matches all the time. Yeah. Like, he's a Greco guy, so you wouldn't expect that out of him. He's 13-0 and 0 on the year. That's kind of nice to see that they've got 13 matches. Yeah, I mean, especially when you're out, out west because you got to travel. Yeah, true. That's all I got. 
Yeah, that's all I've got for the conference tournaments. It's good, good little rundown. Um, you kind of kept you up to date. We'll do our little preview tomorrow of the Big Ten and Big 12 tournaments that are happening this weekend. There's going to be a lot of it. Mateo Pelicone this weekend as well. Ooh, yeah, we got to talk about that as well. So, yeah, we'll again, we'll be back tomorrow morning with that. Um, we'll be back tomorrow afternoon. I'll have Matt Orenchinski, the NCAA ref. He refs at Big Tens. He refs he ref Carver Hawkeye last year when Iowa beat Penn State. Shout out Hawkeyes. So, uh, yeah, I'm excited to pick his brain and uh, talk a little bit about his refing experiences. That'll be fun. I wish I could be on that call. That'll be a fun one. Yeah, so if you listen to this episode, thanks again for tuning in. Give this episode a like and give it a share. Share it on social media. You know, get the recap out there. Show some of these guys some love, I guess. Some of these guys aren't getting the publicity, I guess, for qualifying for the national tournament. You know, some of these EIWA guys, some of these ACC guys. So. Don't be don't be crapping on the IWA guys. It's not their fault. Yeah, it's not their fault. The guys who qualified, they qualified. They did their job. They beat who's in front of them. I know we're, they're probably going to get a lot of flack over the next couple weeks, but they, they it's not their fault. Don't crap on them. Yeah, they won. They deserve to be there. They did their jobs. Yeah, so uh, once again, thanks for tuning in. If you have any listener questions, uh, reach out to Zach on Twitter at Rasslin with an R, 607, or my Twitter at more wrestling. Give us some listener questions for tomorrow's preview of the Big Tens and Big Twelves. Thanks again. Peace. Peace out.